Hello, welcome to the Blue Rise Examiner podcast. I'm your host, Mark Block. I recently spoke with Professor Stephen Sussman. Professor Sussman is in the Department of Population and Public Health Sciences at Keck School of Medicine and University of Southern California. Professor Sussman is a fellow of Division 50, the Addictions Division of the American Psychological Association. Some of his areas of expertise are in addiction, smoking and tobacco use, drug use among adolescents and adults, substance abuse, health behaviors and related programs, and he's co-author of numerous articles on these subjects. He's contributing editor to the 2012 Surgeon General's report on preventive tobacco use. Professor Sussman and I spoke about some of the potential addictive consequences of our favorite pastime, TV watching. Today, it's more apparent that TV addiction, along with gambling, phones even, and other addictions, interfere with our ability to maintain zest, curiosity, and creativity as, as integral and accessible parts of our lives, and it prevents us from being present, spontaneous, and authentic. Professor Sussman is way ahead of the power curve on understanding addictions, with TV addiction being one of the areas of his expertise. Talking with him clarified my own focus on TV addictions, and I hope you're able to also get some pearls of wisdom for yourself. So without further ado, here's my talk with Professor Stephen Sussman. Steve, thanks so much for talking with me about one of our most favorite popular pastimes, TV, and its potential addictive properties. You know, there's so many positive things about TV. It has tremendous social benefit. It brings people together, a source of entertainment. TV is a welcome distraction that helps you unwind from your otherwise busy days. But I'm concerned that this TV addiction is growing. It, it's getting worse and may be irreversible. I mentioned TV addiction thinking everyone knows what I'm talking about. Uh, now, you've done a tremendous amount of you know, work on addictions and, and how those addictions turn into a TV addiction. Maybe you could take a minute, clarify, how do you define an addiction and what constitutes a TV addiction? Yeah, Mark, that's, a, yeah, that's a, a good question. It's really important to get on the same page in terms of um, you know, what we're talking about here. An addiction... People have defined it in various different ways. Sometimes people chuckle about it. They say, oh, I'm a, you know, I'm a binge watcher. I'm addicted to TV. And then kind of, you know, people will laugh or, you know, they say, oh, I'm addicted to love. You know, people will chuckle. And without really, you know, understanding uh, or, you know, just using it in colloquially, you know, uh, uh, as an everyday term, it, it doesn't mean a passion. You know, like if you're really interested in a hobby or you're really interested, you, you know, some people will binge watch uh, TV and they have no, uh, you know, no particular consequences. They uh, they'll feel a little bit tired afterwards, but, you know, they, it's, a, it's their passion to binge watch a particular series. I, I, I mentioned to you previously that I'm actually, uh, you know, I will jokingly say I'm addicted to Korean episodics now. <laughs> and, you know, I've watched like 23 shows. But it, it, it's nothing, it, it has not been interfering with getting work done. It, it isn't in general, you know, I don't feel uh, remorse after watching a show. I enjoy it. Sometimes I wonder if I suffer a little bit of like a withdrawal 
in a sense, when they get off, that is, you know, kind of an, you know, if you, if a person experiences irritability mm-hmm. and difficulty concentrating when they terminate a behavior that they question, you know, whether or not it's addictive, you'd say, hey, you know, maybe it is an addiction, but okay, here's the, here's the, here's the definition of an addiction for you. First of all, when a person, they engage in a behavior to achieve what we call, or researchers will call, practitioners will call it, you know, an appetitive effect. It's the same, it's the effect, you know, people have drives, they've been doing research on this for like 100 years, and it's kind of nebulous what this all means, but they, 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 they look at various instincts or needs, things like, you know, hunger, thirst, to be part of a human herd, to have a place in the herd, right, to feel safety in the herd, to feel a sense of nurturance, people nurture someone and be nurtured, all these kind of human needs, and what happens, of course, is, is that a person can associate obtaining these uh, appetitive needs, we call it an appetitive effect, a sense of, of, wow, I feel okay now, I feel satiated, my need has been met, through engaging in certain behaviors that end up turning out dysfunctional. So, for example, uh, now with, with food, with hunger, right, a person can, can they, let's say uh, you skip lunch right now, and you'll probably feel hungry, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, uh, okay. So, Mark, I don't want you to eat now. Now it's dinner time. Don't eat. How are you feeling? Are you feeling even more hungry? Because you mentioned it, I I will uh-huh. start to trigger my looking at the clock to see what time we're going to be eating dinner. Yes. Okay. You said. Okay. Well, now it's tomorrow. It's tomorrow, Mark, and you haven't eaten yet. Are you starving? <laughs> Are you feeling really hungry, craving food? Well, <laughs> the more we talk about it, I have a cookie here I brought in with me. I think I'm going to eat it right now. No, nope, don't eat it. <laughs> don't, don't eat the cookie. Okay? Now you're really hungry, right? Uh, I'm getting I truly. Okay. I, 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 I'm getting more hungry. Okay, now let's extend it several days from now. Uh-huh. Keep moving the time forward. You're, you, you're, the craving will go away. You'll no longer feel hungry. Correct. Got and then it. you die. Okay. And then you die. Okay. You know? Then you die. Okay. Now let's take an addiction. An addiction. Let's take an addiction to TV. You're not watching the show, and but you you'll start craving it. You you want to be able to watch TV. With, you know it's 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 interfering in in your in your thoughts. You you've been used to watching TV to obtain an appetitive effect defined as you know. Uh-huh. An improvement in one's mood, a regulation of one's level of arousal that is either to feel, you know, less aroused or more aroused, more sense of, you know, adventure, or to regulate one's thinking, cognition, thoughts, that to feel, uh, to think more or to think, you know, less. People in recovery even talk about it to drink to oblivion. <laughs> you know, to watch TV in order to stop thinking. And, uh, and so, they achieve this effect, they feel okay, they associate watching TV with feeling their repetitive needs being met, and then what happens is they don't watch TV, and they become this, the next thing that happens is they become preoccupied with, with, the, with the show. And they, they want to be watching TV, they're not watching it, or, you know, the particular show or whatever on TV, and they're feeling bad, they feel craving it. And actually, a person can feel almost like, you know, very negative, like you're going to die. They kind of watch, you know, TV it, uh, and uh, it's metaphorical, but they, they feel that, right? And then if they do watch TV, they say, you know, I'm just going to watch for half an hour. 
And then, you know, five hours later, they're, they, they, they realize they, they've overwatched. They didn't get their work done or they didn't spend the time with family that they were going to spend or other kinds of things like that. And they might, you know, you say, wow, I lost control. Right. The final aspect of an addiction is negative consequences. Um, as Mark Griffiths the Nottingham Trenton University would say, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. If it's not a problem, it's a passion. If it's an addiction, it's it's a problem. It causes negative consequences. If family starts complaining, you've been on the TV all day. You haven't, you know, you haven't come to dinner. You didn't, you know, talk with family. I wanted to, to, to catch up or let you know about how my day went. The person can feel a sense of remorse or guilt. Geez, I didn't get my work done. Right? right, and those those are those are negative consequences of addiction. So addiction is achieving an, an impeditive effect through engaging in a, in a, a behavior or in taking a substance, preoccupation, loss of control, and undesired negative consequences, which there's a whole variety of them. And that can occur with a whole of uh, uh, various different behaviors. And, and, and certainly, you know, we all accept that it occurs with substances. Um, and it can also occur with uh, TV. You mentioned passion and kind of addiction, not in the same paragraph, same sense, but close. So when when does a passion kind of cross over, even on TV? When does this TV binge watching cross over into an addiction? Now, I, I want to throw in an example for myself. Now, this is not TV addiction I'm going to bring up, but I'm an mm -hmm. Ironman triathlete. And I, in order to maintain, I'm not doing races right now. COVID shut me down, but I'm getting ready. But all this time, I've maintained a certain level of proficiency in swimming and biking and running. And if mm -hmm. I don't get, if I, if I say, like earlier this week, I was going to do a run, something came up, and I couldn't do it. I, I, my body went into withdrawals. If I... I'm wondering, has my passion for my sports turned into an addiction? Now, I don't feel psychologically disturbed if I don't do it, but is that still a passion when I really feel nervous, I get withdrawals? If I don't do the activity, is that any different than a drug? Is that any different than watching TV? I, I, when, so when does a crossover it's a good good question, um, Mark. And, and, and let me um, actually, you know, I, I many years ago I ran the Boston Marathon. So I used to <laughs> in <laughs> in high school I, for a hundred days I ran eighteen miles a day. So I can kind of relate to you on, on potentially, you know, addictive exercise. And you know, I ran three times a day, and mm -hmm. you know, all that all that craziness or potential craziness, right? When you know, when people. Sometimes, you know, people will say, hey, you're a triathlete. Hey, that's crazy, right? You know. They do. Um, they do. But, right, and so, you know, the, the, okay, but that's a kind of a social, socially defined type of a thing. When is an addiction? The first thing would be you're preoccupied about it. Let's say you're a triathlete. You're not able to participate because of the pandemic, being uh, safe about it, but you uh, think about it every day, and, and every day sucks. Because you're not uh, in, and you're not in a race, and uh, you know that would be preoccupation, right? Mm -hmm. You think about it, and it's interfering with you being able to do interviews, or you're being able to do, you know, the things you want to do. Uh, that would be that would be preoccupation. Now, let's say you go ahead and you say, you know what? I bet 
the, uh, the, the pandemic is winding down. I can be in a race right now. I'll take the chance. And you go ahead and you enter it. And then you find, you say, wow, I'm going to enter one, one triathlon, triathlon a week, knowing that by doing that, you could risk injury. You know, you need recovery time. Right. And, but you're not doing it, right? So you go ahead and you can get, you go in there and you start up. Uh, engaging in these, you know, and you go, whoa, what am I doing? You know, I, I've lost control, you know. I, I, I was only going to do this one triathlon and uh, just to get my, you know, uh, get my feet wet. I'm doing it, and look, look what I did. Okay, that's lost of control. The next thing is negative consequences. So what happens? Muscle injury. You run the, you run the triathlon, you get cramps, you're not in shape, you, you, you screwed up on your run, you feel bad about that, you feel remorse about you know, about being in the race, you know, muscle tearing is something that happens with exercise addiction. And, uh, and there are, um, there are conditions that addicted athletes feel that that exists. Right. I, um, I, I've had so, my share of muscle injuries from overdoing it on sports. So I, I can relate to you, but here's a question for you. Um, we're talking about sports. Let's go back to TV addiction, because it feels to me, I, I recently read a Deloitte survey, a 2017 survey, that said 73% of Americans binge watch, and and the average millennial binge watches six episodes and five hours per viewing. Now, that's pretty substantial. So I can't relate to that as a sporting person. And I'm not sure our listeners could relate to put the two together to quite understand what this means yeah with, with binge watching one one kind of thing is you know when people are developing shows they use the term binge watch uh you know come on and you know and I'll, like my you know for my interest in korean episodics no they're actually they're they're great shows i mean i really like them a lot i think they're extremely well done and and you know and and i love watching these shows but um they do have uh they do use the term you know, in reviews of these shows, they use the term binge watching. Here's your next show you could binge watch. So, and they, and they uh, often in these shows, they'll have cliffhangers at the end of an episode that encourages you that you say, geez, I can't get off now. I've got to see me tempted to watch the next episode. So with cliffhangers, with terms like binge watching, they almost kind of normalize something that potentially could lead to addiction. Again, the addiction, if it's a problem, it is a problem. You the kinds of problems, like I mentioned in that, in, in, in the TV review, you know, do, do, does the person have problems with sleeping? Does it affect their mood or, or level of aggression? Are they having trouble, you know, thinking afterwards, difficulty concentrating? Is it, is it impacting their work? Is it impacting their academic achievement? You know, are they, you know, really having sleep difficulties? Uh, uh, do they feel lowered uh, life satisfaction? Is it, is it hurting their quality of life? Are they sedentary? Are they, are they eating while they're engaging in the addiction? So it's upsetting their, uh, their physical, you know, being. Are they risking, you know, uh, incurring, um, cardiovascular problems, diabetes, or, or you know, other, other types of, of, of physical problems? Um, these are all kinds of things that can occur uh, with with a lot with uh, television addiction, and um, and it is the case that people who are very heavy TV watchers who do live a sedentary lifestyle do die. Uh, they lose they lose a couple of years of life on average, mm -hmm. and there are, there is some work on that. So I mean, it can be a real uh, uh, it can be a real problem. 
Well, um, well, you know, Rod Hastings, the CEO of um, Netflix, he's very happy. A couple of years ago, he stated that sleep was their main competitor and that Netflix was winning. Now, I wonder, you know, if you look at the phone, our phones, and our addiction to our technology addiction to our phones, um, Natasha Scholl did a whole, wrote a book, um, Addicted by Design, Addiction by Design, on the technology addiction of gambling. I wonder, and I don't know if you can address this or not, but I, I, I'll do some research. I wonder if guys like Rod Hastings of Netflix understand how to capture people in these shows, whether it's through sexual issues, whether it's through financial issues. Could TV addiction be equate? Can you equate that to a technology addiction, like a phone? You know, a phone is designed to capture you and keep you engaged. Is TV a technology addiction? Well, you know, taking you can you can consider addictions from four different levels. One is the large social and physical environment. You know, the, and that includes the culture. That includes CEOs that might encourage binge watching. Now, I would, I I like to take the side of the of the angels and suggest that that we're not necessarily dealing with people that want to make others have problems. They're just they just want people to you know utilize their products, engage in their services, and 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 uh, and they they're they're hoping that uh, that most people don't have a problem, you know, with it. But um, but you're right that the technology can uh, encourage uh, addiction if you if you consider you know gambling with uh, with the one armed bandit in Vegas. What's interesting there, of course, is people can stay in one spot. And if they, you know, drinks can be brought to where the person's sitting. They can use a credit card to, you know, to uh, put in money. They can, you know, they can basically, uh, they don't have to do anything but, uh, but pull on the one-armed bandit. And then when you go to parts of casinos that are closer to buffets where they can engage in, you know, food addiction, <laughs> right. then there are fewer machines. There are fewer machines that encourage gambling addiction. But they've made use of technology, certainly for gambling. Mark Griffiths and others have done things like, you know, looking at um, putting messages into machines saying, hey, you know, you've, you've, uh, you've gambled for about a half an hour now. Are you sure you want to continue? Right. So you, you can, you know, in TV, you could consider, you know, people installing devices if they want to self-monitor their TV watching. That will, will automatically turn off the TV or signal to them, you know, the length of time they've been watching. Do you want to continue watching? So, I mean, that's one way to kind of uh, prevent addiction for people, people who want to, you know, watch TV. They can strictly monitor their time and saying, these are the hours that I can watch TV. Right. They can have other, with kids, have other people regulate their viewing time. So when your kids' parents can say, you can watch from 9 to 10, then you got to get off. Of course, it's well known. Uh, whenever I talk to a group of people, and they talk about their, you know, three, four-year-olds who basically have a tantrum when they turn off the TV at night, mm -hmm. they're kind of letting they've been letting the kid watch too long. And yeah, when you see the kid reacting, you know, it's like, oh, I just, you know, they want to continue watching TV. Uh, you, that's definitely a sign that TV addiction it may be the first addiction that people experience in life. Uh, your article, um, The Hidden Addiction Television, I'll put in the uh, podcast meeting notes so our listeners can download it themselves and get a sense of really a sense of what we're talking about. But can we reverse this? We have TV well, addiction. You can, you, 
Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, that's good. Uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so you can think in terms of prevention or cessation, and you can think of them as different levels. There's, you know, at a, at a cultural level, you can have, uh, you know, warning labels. You can um, have restricted viewing times. Of course, that can also negate personal freedoms, but there are things you can do at a large social, physical, environmental level. There are things you can do at a microsocial level, and that's where you... Uh, where people kind of agree with each other when they'll be watching, when they won't be watching. And, and they have to basically agree, you know, beforehand in a sense, essentially have implicit contracts with each other that they'll live by. There are things at a cognitive level where the person basically has an awareness that they lost control over nature. What I would do, like with Korean uh, episodics, is, is, you know, once I'm done watching an episodic, um, and, you know, I've been to watch some, I don't binge watch others, but after uh, I, I'm done with it, I might wait a couple of days or I might wait a while, but that, you know, to make sure I, I've got other things cleared off my plate before I'll go back to it. So one way that I can self-regulate cognitively to make sure I don't get into something that's negative is, you know, to take a pause and people can take, can purposefully take a pause. It can record, can always record the show and then watch it later, that kind of thing. If they, the problem with an addiction, of course, is, is the person will say, well, I've got to watch five minutes of it, right? And then they lose control. Right. But so the idea is not to do that. Finally, you know, I mean, at a, at a neurobiological uh, level, there probably are people who are more vulnerable than others towards uh, engaging in certain um, addictions. In terms of prevention, you know, media literacy, the potential existence of, of, an, of an addiction something that's, you know, not humorous. You're dealing with something that actually causes undesired consequences. The person doesn't want. That's something to think about. And and being aware of it, uh, for some folks, counseling might, might help to serve as a prevention device. Monitoring the amount that they're watching is probably important. Um, and, you know, one way that I've uh, done things for myself is, you know, I only, uh, I will only watch uh, the episodics at certain times during the day. You know, I really, I'm very careful on, on when I, I will start to watch a show. Sure. And and I get a good idea on, on how long I can really, you know, I'll really be able to uh, to do that. Um, so, I mean, you know, the, the uh, in terms of, of treatment, you know, all the kinds of things that apply to various other addictions can apply to TV addiction, you know, um, Cognitive behavior therapy, CBT kinds of things, self self management, which I was actually kind of talking about now. Uh, motivational interviewing, being able to develop, uh, you make sure that the person has non uh, TV watching hobbies. You know, engaging uh, with interactions with other people, and doing you know making sure they do things. I go, I I, I do. You know, I'm older now, so I stay away. Uh, I do uh, uh, long walks. I walk at least two hours a day and, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm definitely not watching, you know, TV while I'm walking. It's another activity I'm interested in. You know, there's time that I'll be spending with, uh, with family. Right, right. And there's, of course, there's a lot of time I need to do, you know, work and, and, and getting a good picture on the person's, you know, time management is, is really important. Now, you've mentioned uh, COVID and how mm-hmm. it, you know, when people are kind of locked in at home, you know, what do they, what do they do is, uh, um, 
if people binge watch during the pandemic, um, the question is, is what, you know, what are the negative or undesired consequences? What are the, you know, is it, is it a problem? And, and, you know, if they're supposed, if they've lost a job and they're binge watching because they don't just know what to do and they should be looking for work, then yeah, it could be a problem, right? Yeah, but but, um, but you know, I wonder if it's you know the the we're, we're talking not just about a a TV addiction, or we're talking about a a video or a, a watching of TVs, videos, YouTube, but it's also on their phone, and the phone yeah. is with them all the time. So even if they're not sitting there binge watching a TV, they might be sitting on the subway or on a bus or on a plane or just walking across the street watching a YouTube video, communicating, and they're always so connected that the well, strategy mm -hmm. you're talking about, we really have to drill down on those to figure out how can we implement those if it's, if, if it's in fact a problem, of course. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, society has changed. We don't want to be, you know, we, we want to acknowledge that we're a society that relies on like our, 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 our smartphones. I, I sometimes call them dumb phones, but um, just they're, sm they're smartphones. They're great devices. They save a lot of time. When I am on my walk, I have my smartphone in hand, and I can do I can do some signs. Sometimes I make mistakes, but I can do emailing. I can do work emails. I mean, I don't know if multitasking is a healthy thing. If I'm on sidewalk, and and uh, certainly by engaging in it, you risk you know accidents, right? But uh, I did. I, I've been lucky. I haven't had any accidents, and I'm able to do some emailing while I'm walking. I could watch at a certain point on my walk. Not before then. I'll enjoy and smell the roses and things that are around me while I'm walking, and uh, and then at a certain point on the walk, though, I may uh, turn on and watch some YouTube uh, uh, videos, which which I, I you know which helps spend the time. I think, in, in my opinion, it doesn't cause negative consequences. I kind of view that as, uh, as you know, an example of, of technological you know, advancement. It's nice. And yeah, there are a lot of people who don't watch uh, TV. They're, they're, they, they watch, they, they, they're on computer and they're watching Netflix or they're, they're on, they are engaged in things on YouTube. It's the same kind of process. Um, and, you know, when I'm watching Korean episodics, it's on, you know, it's on Netflix and it's on computer. Um, but, um, you know, uh, you know, we're dealing with a society that um, that engages in a lot of, uh, you know, we've become computer based, we've become, a, a, you know, phone based. When we, when you know, you can see people are using their iPhones. When I'm in, uh, I'm teaching a class and there's a wide open window, and I have my students look out the window and watch people in the parking lot. And I say, okay, now take a look how many people are on their iPhone while they're in the parking lot, you know, walking, and you'll they'll look down and we'll see most of them tend to be on their iPhone. Now, yeah, if it causes accidents or, you know, uh, that is a real problem. People are texting while they're driving. It's, a, it's, a, it's dangerous. If they're walking in areas that they could trip over a curb, it's dangerous. If they are doing that, if they're, you know, it's weird though where, um, I don't know, you know, with my family, sometimes I'm in one room and my son's in, in in another room during the pandemic. He's at like a different university, and I'm in one university. He's in the university in the room next door, right? And uh, but sometimes we'll text. So why don't I knock on his door and call? Well, I, I do that too, or he will do that too. But a lot of times we will text. It's it's it, it's efficient. 
It's enjoyable. Again, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. It reflects what the current status of society. Um, has society gotten worse? I don't know. I, I've saved a lot of time. Uh, I don't think so. Well, I remember. Have you? Uh, there's a there's a movie, The Social Dilemma. It's a documentary on the effect, or actually the design of phone and the addiction, and the I've effect, seen it. Uh, the effect, so you know, and the effect that's had on society, and that's very real. And a lot of the CEOs and, and directors and designers of these programs are coming out and saying we have a problem now. I don't think that same technology addiction is built into TVs. I'm hoping not. Because considering that TV has this TV addiction that I keep referring back to has been, was, was building long before our phone addiction, long before any, long before, you know, opioid epidemics. TV was beginning, and you might know the actual years, but it was like 1930s or so, 38, when TV first came out, that that they start first started to understand what really is going and what can happen here. And by the 50s, and we were already seeing addiction to TV, but I don't think it's the same. You might be able to help me. Yeah, the TV tends to be pretty passive. The with um, the social social dilemma. What they were talking about, I guess there were three phases. I, I'm not sure I can remember them right now. But one thing is kind of monitoring people's choices. Right. Based on, based on monitoring their choices, they can then, um, you know, it, it send messages to people to kind of, uh, uh, you know, so the question is, is, are you appealing to their interests? You know, it's like, Hey, you know, um, I know if I can, you know, hey, you're, you're, uh, you play a lot of Farm Hero Saga. Do you want to join a Farm Hero Saga, uh, uh, interactive group, you know, or, um, you know, so they could be doing things to encourage people's interest, or they could be doing something that ends up manipulating people's behavior, uh, moving in a certain direction, getting them to purchase certain products, getting them to encourage them to, uh, have certain political beliefs. And that kind of um, uh, persuasion, persuasive techniques to influence people can can be a social dilemma, can be dangerous. And that was part of, I think, what was in that documentary. And yeah, that can occur uh, through via the iPhone. Um, that can that can um, and and where you won't you know traditional TV watching. There's you know networks, and you you look for the show you want to see, and you see it, and there there aren't messages back to you. So no, there's yeah, if, if there, you, wait, wait. There may be no messages back to you, but you don't think that Netflix knows every single program you watch, and do you think don't think that Netflix or no, no, Paramount about, Plus? Uh, I'm sorry, talking about regular television compared to okay, you know. Well, but who watches regular TV these days? People, I don't know anyone. Well, <laughs> I don't know anyone that watches regular TV. We're talking about what creates. An addiction to you sitting, doing the binge watching, sitting and watching five hours at a time. I suggest that the Netflix of the world have so much information. They know exactly what shows are going to grab you. They know exactly what to put in front of you to keep you engaged. A, it's a financial issue. The more you watch Netflix instead of Paramount Plus or one of the Ahulu or any of them, the more money they make, the more information they have on you, the more they can capture you. I don't think it's much different. I wonder. I, I just, I don't know. I can't, I can't answer that question. Well, I, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I think, I think, um, 
they're, you know, I think you're, you're right in terms of that. And, and I would, I would disagree in terms of, <clears throat> I think there's a lot of people who watch traditional TV um, who are either um, not, uh, not uh, uh, savvy in terms of computer iPhones uh, or just, you know, still enjoy uh, watching TV. And I think that exists around, around the world where in certain countries will be much more TV watching than others. But I think, um, I think it's still a lot of people who do watch uh, traditional television that, you know, and, and, uh, and my article kind of, you know, in part appealed to that the traditional, you know, watcher, although acknowledged at that point, you know, the advent of interactive devices, you know, like uh, smartphones and, and, um, you know, and, yeah, companies like Netflix. I mean, you're you're right that in, in what was the message that was portrayed in Social uh, Dilemma is one that is, is a very real, you know, entity, and it's um you know it, it is part of, um, of of marketing that people utilize, and and it can right. go it can go to the extreme where it becomes hazardous. It could go to where it encourages addiction. One place it encourages addiction is. Um, Let's say you're interested in buying a certain product. Let's, I don't know, uh, let's say there's a, a collectible baseball card. I don't know who, you know, someone, right? Mm-hmm. And you get them on eBay and you look at various options, right? And on and eBay or various things. Okay, there will be pop-up messages that will come to you from eBay telling you, hey, you know, you're, the option's ending, ending soon. You, know, you, you look at this item, are you interested in it? So um, you, you, from one perspective, you could say, wow, they're, they're reminding the person so they could bid on that item if they want to, if they want that baseball card or whatever. Or um, it could be uh, facilitating addiction. If, if the person's addicted and they're trying to quit and it says, you know, here it is. You know, hey, you want a drink? Here it is. You know, here's the drink right here. You could have it if you want it. And, and so people who are engaging in addiction process, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Uh, and, and, and Netflix and, and binge watching is a double edged sword. On the one hand, it says here, you know, you're interested in this type of show. You like rom coms, you know, on, here's a great romantic, a new romantic comedy that's come out. Uh, you, you know, uh, or uh, you like historic pieces. Here's one of the Josian Dynasty, you know, um, you could, you know, watch, watch this show. And, and on the one hand, it's, you know, it could go great. I was looking for one, or it could be, Seductive, where the person's, uh oh, here I go. I'm not going to get work done again. And if you go, you know, so it's, it is a double edged sword. You're exactly right. And now, to the extent it starts manipulating your um, political beliefs, social beliefs, monopolizing um, those kinds of things, if it's, if you've got, um, frankly, uh, encouraging um, uh, certain drug use. Uh, shows that have a, depict a lot of alcohol use and people, you know, bonding through alcohol use. One can then believe that by using alcohol, they'll bond with others, right? Sure. And that kind of thing that can occur. Then that can encourage yet other addictions. So the person could be a TV addiction, and if they're vulnerable or otherwise, uh, um, you know, they could be, you know, through whatever means, they could develop a problem drinking behavior, believing that, you know, they are going to bond with other people through uh, drinking, and then they. You know, and um, so you could get uh, various concurrent addictions, you know, at the same time. So it could be a variety of negative consequences. There's always like, you know, so, you know, there's the, the, the it, you, I mean, you're right. It, it is, it is, it can be a real problem. Well, I'm hoping that 
most of our listeners don't have a TV addiction because a lot of them, uh, maybe they can use what we're talking about today to identify addiction, beha- addictive behaviors they might see in family members or friends. But I, I, there's also, I think we need to switch gears just for a second because I ran across an article of by the New Yorker some time ago, some very positive things about this so-called binge watching or TV addiction. And you might be interested in these, you know, first, you're never going to get sunburn. You'll always be near a bathroom. You're not going to lose your wallet. You're not going to run into your ex. And you're not going to get run over by a car. So there's, 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 a good, there's good in everything, you know? I'm, I'm, I am hoping that our listeners can get some humor out of the positive things. And they can identify with people they know issues that might be addictive and, uh, and, and can help them through it. I'm hoping for that. So I think we're going to sign off for today on that one. Steve, I appreciate your talking to me about this. And, you know, you've got so much expertise on other addictions. You know, I'm hoping that we can get together again here, do another podcast on some other addictions and kind of tie them all together for our listeners. Um, sure, Mark. My pleasure. So anyway, again, thank you so much. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Okay, sure. Sounds good. Have a great day. Okay.